good feeling. Feeling mellow. Mellow yellow. Yellow bug. Bug bait. Bait switch. Switch Radio, a speckled podcast about spinning and cauliflower rice. Bait Switch invites you to write about music, dance about architecture, eat your oatmeal with a fork, and do your homework in the dark. Today we're talking about food, art, and the official beverage of the state of Maine. I'm Cody Van Winkle. I'm... Is it again? That is my name. <laughs> this is hard. Fuck. And I'm Lucy Valina. There's a few places where food and art intersect in a really poetic way um, that I would love to kind of explore. Um, one is the uh, the medieval tradition of the subtlety. Are you familiar with this? I have never heard of this. Okay, the word subtlety. I it when I first looked this up, I was just kind of disgusted by the word subtlety because it's just so annoying. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently it had a different meaning back then. It meant clever. It meant something clever. Okay. And what it was was that enormous edible sculpture that they would bring out before. There wasn't even, this is like before dessert existed. <laughs> okay. Okay, like medieval feasts had various sweet and savory courses that would sort of, they would happen in these stages and, and there would be this this time. Um, I can't remember what it was called now. Oh, no, I remember. It was called The Void. <laughs> the Void. The Void was the moment when the subtleties would come out. And (laughs) (laughs) this sounds ridiculous already, and you've only started describing it. I know. Uh, These sculptures, these edible sculptures, were um, they were huge. How huge? I mean, they were often like the whole four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie thing. That comes from an event that actually happened where they put twenty four blackbirds into a huge pie. Wow. Okay. That really existed. I think my favorite subtlety description of all time was a it was a marzipan lady with uh, claret wine <laughs> streaming out of her nipples. <laughs> Great! Wow! <laughs> Which, and and there <laughs> next to her was a um, a tiger, a live tiger, chained. To the marzipan lady with a sign that said, do not touch my lady. <laughs> <laughs> and that was part of That this, was just the vo- part this, of the void. <laughs> right. That was just part of the void. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, with the uh, claret pouring out of her boobs. The point um, <laughs> of this is to be a sculpture. Yes, that is edible. But it, it's, yeah, it's edible and it incorporates a live animal. It's... Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's bizarre. A lot. Yeah. But... I think what's so interesting about subtleties is this idea that nobody was actually going to eat any of this. Like, they weren't, it wasn't made to be eaten. It was made for art. It was made just to see it. Then why did it have to be food? 
Well, I mean, I don't know, and that's what's so weird. <laughs> it's like, right, it was just sculpture, but the fact that it was food made it so much more meaningful somehow. Okay. And in the same way that wedding cakes are usually now covered with fondant, which nobody likes to eat. Right. Tastes like shit, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone peels the fondant off the cake right. before they eat it. <clears throat> um, why Why do we? Why does it even exist? No. It's the same, same thing. When I... Um, used to work in a a coffee shop. I was a barista and I would pour a latte and sometimes it'd be like some, you know, uh, beautiful piece of foliage on (laughs) the top of the latte. And a customer would commonly say, uh, oh, it's so beautiful. I almost don't want to drink it. And I thought that there's something more interesting about art that is created to be destroyed. Mm. And if it's food... It's created to be not just destroyed, but consumed. Yes. You yes. actually uh, ingest it and it becomes part of you. Yeah. And there's, I mean, and that is a wild, there's actually an artist who I just read an article recently. Um, this artist who actually makes drawings that, they are edible drawings. He makes drawings and actually dissolves them into soup. <laughs> and wow. then everyone hangs around and eats the soup. Okay, so it doesn't look like a drawing while you're eating it? No, it's like a drawing that he makes on edible paper, and then he dissolves it in soup and everybody eats the soup. And what was good is that this was an article in the Times. They interviewed all these people who were at this show, and there were all of these people there who had eaten lots of art. (laughs) They were like enthusiasts of eating art. So-and-so, who has also eaten this artist, this artist, and this artist's work. (laughs) That's it's a thing. It's that, a thing that there's edible art out there and people who right. chase it down. And and it's not pretending to be anything else. It's not a wedding cake. It's sure. definitely just a drawing that is dissolved in a soup. Right. It does help if it's actual food. Yes. If there's edible art that's just you know, um, ink on paper. Right. That might be a little a little more <laughs> harsh. <laughs> Wouldn't taste good. <clears throat> um, the flip side of this of course, is fake food, which is equally fascinating to me. Okay. Because it is a sculpture that is meant to look like food, and the closer it can look like food, the better. But it is totally inedible. <laughs> like, the most important thing that food does is it's for eating. And that is the only thing that fake food cannot do for you. <laughs> it's food in every way, <laughs> except that one. <laughs> Except the thing that makes it food. Right. That is fascinating. Describe this coffee we're drinking. Suspicious. (laughs) Delicious. Strong. That I don't like include anything that has fennel seed. Okay. Anything with cashews. Describe a pizza. Mesmerizing. Succulent. Hot. Tempting. (laughs) Slicey. (laughs) Slicey.
is the one thing that we all have in common. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what country you're from or religion you are or whatever, uh, everyone eats and everyone eats things that are important or aren't. And, you know, we all have a variety of um, significance applied to our food. And um, so I've been thinking a lot about this lately and how uh, the idea of comfort food varies from culture to culture. Because I guess, what is comfort food? It's something you eat to feel comforted, yeah. right? Maybe you have a rough day or you miss your home or, or whatever. Uh, but depending on your culture, that will have uh, really different meanings. Uh, what, what's your comfort food? What do you eat when you need to be comforted? I can't really think of anything. I mean, I think I used to have a lot more, but as my as my dietary restrictions have gotten more and more intense over the years, like I probably would have said bread before um, I became gluten intolerant. Yeah. Um, I would have said wine before I stopped drinking. Right. And that that's another <laughs> thing that makes a huge difference for your definition of comfort food. It can change over time. Right. So your circumstances changed, and so did things that you eat yeah, so I think 10 chocolate. years ago Lucy would have the, this list of comfort foods right right and now that doesn't apply no no it's no longer a thing how about you uh oh gosh uh I would probably say bread mm -hmm. uh I do not limit my sugar I really should uh but I can tell you uh, without shame that right now there is still half of a bag of um mint oreos in my bedroom uh, and that's really not a good room for <laughs> cookies. I don't know if it's a bad room for cookies. <laughs> uh, people tend to keep those things in the kitchen. This morning I had a really hard time getting out of bed and I was texting my friends to ask them if they would bring me coffee because my kitchen was too far away. <laughs> and I was wondering why do we keep oh our kitchen, why do we God. keep our coffee in the kitchen and someone else said you don't have to and that it, it I, I don't think that's going to work out for me. Uh. So now I tend to like to eat things that are more indulgent, uh, something fatty, uh, preferably unhealthy. I eat healthy food passionately. I really like vegetables. I like raw things. I like to feel like I'm making myself strong and doing my body a favor. But there are times when I'm driven to something indulgent. Uh, I once had a hamburger, and the patty was stuffed with macaroni and cheese oh my goodness and i that actually is related to the other end of this we talked about emotions that drive you to eat uh, and then there's also food that drives you to emotions uh if i eat something that heavy that hardcore uh it might it might uh, maybe give me a little kick in the self-esteem you know there are times when i think is this self-destructive behavior <laughs> It's been a it's been a rough week, and so I'm gonna eat something really gross and bad for me. But then there's a little like sting of why did I, I do it to myself? Why, yeah, am I making good decisions? Can I take care of myself? Am I an adult? Am I an adult? It's unclear right now. of a time when you ate something that made you angry? I can think of something that I ate that 
I don't think it made me angry, but a bunch of people were standing around tasting this espresso, and someone just said, this espresso hurts my feelings. Yes. <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. So there was a little anger in there. It was like, like sadness, a little hint of, a little hint of anger um, in having your feelings hurt sure. by coffee. I've eaten some things that were disappointing and that made me feel sad or angry because it was expensive and not that good mm-hmm. or 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 whatever. Um, but I've also, I think I ate something that I found offensive. And not just like uh, according to my sense of taste, but like emotionally offensive. What was it? Uh, Marmite. <laughs> and I think you gave it to me. I'm sure I did. I love that shit. <laughs> I found it so offensive. I love and I, I, I ate it and I thought, that's really interesting. This is challenging. I really tried to be open-minded and find a way to find it, like, to find the experience beneficial to me. Uh, in the end, I think the, the simple truth was that I found it offensive. Uh, you have, yeah. Well, I, I, I respect that. Actually, I, there was a, like a, a how dare you element <laughs> to it. You know, Jonah Lehrer, um, who wrote uh, Proust was a Neuroscientist, which is a great book. Um, and he, his, his line is that umami explains but does not excuse Marmite. <laughs> explains but does not excuse. Yeah, it does not excuse. Um, so, so you know, you're not alone in that feeling. Okay. <laughs> I know that it's it's eaten by people who like it. It's not that it's just blanket statement offensive. Everyone loves it. Right, right. right. So there's, there, there's a way to get it. I mean, I didn't get it. I mean, it means something when it says on the front of the package, not the back of the package. The front <laughs> label says spread thinly. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so even people who love it are like not too much though. Right. Proceed with caution. Bit. Yes, yes. Yeah, I loved it um, back when I was a barista at the Crumpet Shop in Seattle. Um, I was really into it because it has so many, I think it has like a lot of B vitamins in it. Whatever it is, it's really good for a hangover. And okay. it was perfect because I was, you know, a wild manic pixie dream girl uh with a shaved head in seattle Um, seattle does that to you yes and (laughs) as does art school (laughs) it's true all of these things led to me eating a lot of marmite um (laughs) in the mornings and moxie i remember you also enjoyed moxie i also love moxie yeah Yeah. i haven't had that in a long time actually that's still possible for me i can still have moxie yeah is it from maine yes okay and weird near maine yeah do you like Moxie? I don't think I've actually had it. Is it a cola? <gasps> oh my God, we're going to drink it. Up next, John joins us in the blanket fort to taste Moxie. And we hear from a linguistics professor who has some serious theories about what this stuff actually tastes like. expect it to be so brown. Oh, really? You just assume a, an orange can is it's orange soda. Orange. That's true. I think I'd heard that it's something like a cola. It's something like a cola. Whoa, Whoa hey. I just spilled some moxie on my roll-top desk. 
we'll we'll take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a and occupational we'll, hazard. Hey, cheers. Cheers. To Moxie. To Moxie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. How would you describe this flavor? Root beer popsicle. Oh. I would say root beer Dr. Pepper with some melted uh, water. Which I think is, is <laughs> formerly known as ice. Oh. <laughs> melted water. Melted water. Plasma? There was a moment where I really tried to make that... Makes sense. I thought, yeah, when you melt you melt water. water. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I feel like this could have come out one of those little wax bottles that you get in uh, candy dispensers. Mm. Yes. Yes. Did anyone like those? Why did they continue to make those? I don't think a single person has ever liked them. <laughs> has anyone ever gone to a candy store and been like, can I get some of those wax bottles? <clears throat> I will play devil's advocate here and say that the experience of chomping off the top and spitooing it is very satisfying, regardless of what comes out of the little okay, bottle. Okay, so maybe that's what the... It is a, it is it's a, like an a experience. Sweet, it's like a sugary wax, right? Like wax lips wax, right? Yes. Yeah. Not something you really want in your mouth, but you're excited to get it out of your mouth. <laughs> How old is Moxie? It's really old. This has a, like, old-timey soda jerk thing about it. Oh, it's very thing old. About I, think it. it's the fir- I think it's the oldest. It's the oldest soda in the U.S. Okay. I have a list here of U.S. state beverages. Great. Finally. <laughs> Which is what Wikipedia is 50% for, I think, is for lists like this. Okay. Like, official food days of the year is one of my favorite lists oh, that's on Wikipedia. Is there a food for every day of the year? Just about, yeah. Good. Good yeah. to know. All right, Massachusetts, <laughs> it's cranberry juice. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll allow it. That's a gimme. And yeah. Maine can't have blueberry juice, so they have moxie. They have moxie, yeah. Louisiana and Maryland. Actually, a lot of states have milk. <laughs> oh. Actually, most of the states have milk. I'd like to introduce some legislators. Yes. Lame. It's all milk, except Virginia has rye. Oh, wow. What about Kentucky? Um... <laughs> Milk and ale ate one. An original Kentucky soft drink. <laughs> ale ate one? How do you spell that? Uh, known colloquially as ale eight, pronounced as, oh, a late one. <laughs> oh, a late one. <laughs> it's a ginger and citrus flavored soft drink. Okay. Distributed primarily to brick-and-mortar retailers in Kentucky. And it, I assume it's non-alcoholic? I believe so. It could be described as a ginger pop with a, quote-unquote, kick. I'm in. <laughs> I, I'm excited about a late one. It is one. a ginger and citrus blend <clears throat> containing less carbonation and fewer calories than conventional soda. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Oh, it was introduced in 1926, so... It's pretty old. Let's mix the two. But not as old as Moxie. Moxie um, was introduced in 1876. Um, the more I try this, the more I'm getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And the because le- at, at first I I didn't see how this was anything other than a root beer popsicle root beer. without yeah. the stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
But I also, especially once you mentioned cinnamon, I think I started looking for other things in there. And there's something, uh, um, I hesitate to say medicinal. Oh, I would, I would, I would say that. You wouldn't hesitate? I wouldn't hesitate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I'll say it. There's something a little medicinal in there. Yeah, I mean, I've got something vegetal. Almost like uh, moldy, but in a not bad way. Mm -hmm. Moldy, but like good moldy. Yeah, like a root cellar. Okay. Yeah, like dirt. D yeah, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> When I was growing up in New Hampshire, my friends and I were really into moxie. I think we related to the weirdness of the flavor somehow. But what does this actually taste like? We decided to consult someone with some expert knowledge. So my name is Elise Burnett, and I went to school with Lucy, which was uh, a real privilege. And, <laughs> and I am now a, um, a assistant professor of linguistics at NYU, uh, which is also a real privilege. I remember your parents came home, right? And your dad was asking about it. And I started to explain to your dad this detailed description of the Moxie experience. I started with, First, it tastes like you licked a woman. And before I could finish, your dad's face just like made such a funny expression and we were all laughing. And I was like, no, 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 I hadn't finished, I hadn't finished. Because there was a relative clause. A woman who worked in the fragrance department at Macy. Because that first taste, I mean, that first taste is really like somebody just sprayed perfume in your mouth. Yes. But, but I was trying to be colorful. So I was like, it's not distinctive perfume, it's just generic, all-over-the-place perfume. So it's like somebody who's been standing there being like, sample, sample. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, right. So I think the second stage is you're like, ooh, sweet, yummy, soda. <laughs> it tastes like soda pop. And you're like, oh, okay, that, that brief instance of, you know, licking the woman is <laughs> gone. But then, but then... The final stage is purple conversation hearts, like vaguely licorice and chalky and just sweet. But again, you're like, what is this? <laughs> it sounds like a bad description, but somehow you just want to drink more. Which I don't know if you've ever gotten perfume in your mouth. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I have. I have. <laughs> I watched too many old movies where people would take the uh, ball spray and for for go <laughs> in their right. mouth. And when I saw a perfume bottle at a yard sale once, picked it up and did just that, thinking it was somehow meant to go in my mouth. I think when you said old movies, <laughs> what? what you were really talking about was uh, were Warner Brothers cartoons. The same diff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think you saw Daffy Duck do it. <laughs> I definitely saw Daffy Duck do it. Bait Switch Radio is recorded in a blanket fort in beautiful Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. Our theme music was made by the unbelievable Queen Hilma, with thanks to Cheston Van Hus and Milwaukee Record. Special thanks this week to our guests, Elish Cornan and John Savoy.
Thanks for tuning in. Don't let anyone budget your race car mechanics. Because we're not actually like homogeneously blended together. We're not really melting. Can it be something other than tossed salad? <laughs> no. The decision has been made.